0: Tompkins. Oh, look who it is! Back in the studio, my friends. It's been so long since I've been back in the studio. Over a month. Over a month that I've been on road, traveling, vibing, getting all the stories. Man, we got so many good stories for you today on the Thanksgiving special. How you doing, everybody? I am Ben Tompkins. This is Real Talk. We are presented by nobody currently. These are the mixtape days. More news to share at a later date. When I have more to share, I'll share it. Until then, we grind. And until then, I bring you stories like today. Let me start by saying this. Do you remember in that old Charles Dickens book, A Tale of Two Cities? I believe it starts like this. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And I'll be goddamned if that shit doesn't still slap almost 200 years later. This man hit the nail right on the head because that sentence right there perfectly encapsulates the last week that I spent with family. And you think... Family, holidays, Thanksgiving. Hey, Bitty T, it's a Thanksgiving special. What do you got for us? Well, my friends, I got heartbreak. I got vulnerability. I got brutal honesty. I got honest assessment. I have hurt. I have pain. I have love. I have strain. I have all of these things because you guys, if you've missed any of the specials that I've ever done, if you've joined me at some point during 2021, and you missed 2020's holiday specials, the Christmas special, or the New Year's special, or if you know anything about me, you know that family and me is a complicated thing. It's a very, very complicated structure in my life. And before I get too deep, I need to preface all of this by saying, this is my story, and I have a right to tell it. And from time to time, it's gonna involve other people, and they might feel some type of way about that or about me sharing it, or how they feel that they're portrayed, or maybe they're embarrassed. But that's none of my concern, because it happened. And this is my story, and I have a right to tell it. And honestly, had I not heard these two things, that I'm going to say right here, I probably wouldn't have the courage to tell some of these stories. But every time I do, it tends to be the best thing possible, and attracts the most people that, that, that listens to what I'm saying, and maybe starts to understand why I am the way that I am, or somebody else feels seen or heard, and we connect through that, and it reaches somebody, and that is a real thing. That's why those episodes do numbers, and that's why I know this one's going to do numbers too. That's a bet. But this gives me a lot of strength and courage and power, and I absolutely encourage anybody else that's thinking about sharing their story and maybe needs that little push. This was the push that helped me go all in. I was listening to the Tim Ferriss podcast and I was listening to him interview a writer named Ann Lamott. I'm going to get emotional a lot on this episode, so just get used to it, okay? But he's speaking to this writer named Ann Lamott And she's written many books. One of her most famous is called Bird by Bird. And that's one of the ones that she was talking with Tim about. And she said, You own everything that happened to you. Tell your stories. If people wanted you to write warmly about them, they should have behaved better. And I went, Wow, that's true. Because everything that Anne writes about, is a lot of the same themes that I'm on this podcast talking about or when I'm with writers talking about or when I meet strangers in airports and bars and restaurants and different countries and cities. We talk about themes that revolve around some of these same things because while not everybody can relate to everything we see on social media when it's the glamorous lifestyles and it's the beautiful shots of sunsets and Louis Vuitton luggage and all that superficial shit, Everybody can relate to pain and grief and loss and heartbreak. And you know what? The way that I process that is by getting on here and talking about it or talking about it with people in interviews, my guests that I bring on, or complete strangers. And you know, if people like my family, like (laughs) they probably don't love it that I use this platform to speak so openly and honestly about Stuff And and, and there is a, I mean, look, they're private people, I'm a public person, but yet this is my story. And I have to own everything that has happened to me and tell my story. And if certain actors that come into my story wanted me to talk more warmly about them, then they should have behaved better. And if they want certain things to be omitted or for things to be off limits and me to not be able to talk about them... Then don't do them or don't do them around me or don't do them to me. But I will never, ever feel any type of way after hearing Ann say that. If people wanted you to write warmly about them, they should have behaved better. God, that's real talk. And then this other one came from Dax Shepard on the same podcast. He's talking with Tim Ferriss. And of course, Dax hosts his own podcast, The Armchair Expert. Really great. Check it out. But he's on with Tim. And he said, every time you share something and you think this might be embarrassing and there might be backlash, that's almost assuredly going to mean something real and vulnerable came out. And I have yet to see vulnerability met with shittiness. I mean, it'll certainly happen. And certainly some things I've admitted have been mildly weaponized against me. But in general, I've just been so encouraged. These two things are really what guide me and give me the power and strength to come on here and share this, knowing full well I could be, this could cause some really difficult conversations. People could get mad at me. I mean, I've already got half of a family that alienates me and doesn't speak to me and acts as if I don't exist at all, right? But when I talk about my mother's alcohol use, And the issues that it causes and the strain that it puts on a relationship and the way that it hurts me, shit could really hit the fan. And I'm not talking, I'm never talking about anybody to try and put them down or to out them. That's not what it's about. I'm simply coming from a place of, hey, you keep doing this thing that makes me feel really fucking shitty. Can you please stop? Okay, no, you're not going to. How am I going to cope with the way that your actions make me feel, the way that your actions directly impact my life and traumatize me and fuck me up? You know, I'm not mad at my mom. I'm not I'm not mad at anybody in my family. Things happen, right? We hurt the people who were closest to us, but it's up to us to figure out how to heal from that that's what shapes and molds us. That's what creates that callous to pain, and it's why I'm able to compartmentalize it and use it as a superpower, but man, it hurts sometimes when it hurts, and it hurts deep when it hurts, you know? And, uh... I'm a child of divorce. I'm a child of abuse, both physical and emotional. I come from an Italian Catholic dominant upbringing. And when my parents got divorced, you took sides against the family. And we were basically, my brother and sister and I were blackballed. And you know what? If you want to know any more of that family history, go back and listen to the New Year's special. But let's just say I also have a very strained relationship with my mom. She is a binge drinker. And when she drinks, she gets so nasty and hurtful and ugly and as the oldest child a lot of times I've been left to pick up those pieces and anybody with a parent who struggles with alcoholism or a relative or a brother or a family member if you know what that feels like to have to get hurt by the person that you're trying to help the most and to watch somebody hurt the people who are trying to help them the most and be on the other end of it if you've never felt that God, I don't wish that for you. and if you have, you know exactly how bad it fucking hurts and i i i've i've I'm going to keep it to Thanksgiving and this Thanksgiving specifically I've teased the other ones. you can go back and listen. they're some of my most listened to episodes that I've ever done and because it's all real and it's totally vulnerable. Here I am. This is my way of therapy. This is literally what saves my life. Coming down here into the studio that I built and pursuing this life, telling my truths and my story is how I stay sane. And it's how I've saved my life. Literally down here, solo grinding throughout the last three years since moving back from the Bay Area. And my friends, I got to tell you, I'm thinking that there's going to be a new chapter that I cannot fucking wait to share with you. And when I have more to share, I will share it with you. I promise. To everybody that's been riding with me to this point, we will all share and celebrate in this. It's not there yet. It's not there yet. When I have more to share, I will share it. But I'm here to share about... My last week spent during Thanksgiving, which is why I say it was the best of times and it was the worst of times because I got plenty more hurt where that came from, but I also have some really awesome stories to talk about. Like, I got a couple stories about some banger pool parties that I hosted. I literally hosted these impromptu pool parties at this infinity pool called the Sky Bar at Pueblo Bonito. It was fucking sick. I hosted beer pong tournaments. I got a good story about ripping Gold Digger at the After, which is a nightclub there at Pueblo Bonito. I took a solo trip to a waterfall, and I met some lifelong friends, a guy named Freddie and I got the vibe with all these different animals, so there were some really, really great things, and stories, and people, and moments that happened amidst some really, really fucking painful, and hurtful, and shitty ones, the highs, and the lows, right, it was the best of times, and it was the worst at times, and the worst of times amongst the worst of times. I've got a good story about getting tested by some Louisville street rat inside the airport and why my response to him had him so shook. Spending six hours in a Mexican emergency room dealing with a situation stemming from my mom's drinking while she got an IV and how deeply that entire experience hurt me. I even had a woman that threatened to have her child piss in my lap. I shit you not. These things also happened. So stories on all of that, plus giving you my rankings for the top three Thanksgiving movies of all time, but most importantly throughout this entire episode, reflection, honesty, vulnerability, and sharing some real-life examples of things I did to overcome my anxiety, all coming together on this episode as I wrap my thoughts in a little nice pretty ribbon and give this as a gift to you but really it's a gift for me to clear this from my head and my heart and my soul and move past it it's always the way that i've processed things as they've happened over the last few years and that's not going to stop so here we go welcome my friends to the thanksgiving special now as i mentioned at the top i have been traveling since the 29th of october why well I flew out to the Grand Canyon to meet my girlfriend, Maddie, and then we took her stuff, we packed up the Subaru, and we spent three weeks traveling through California, going nine for nine at the national parks, going to visit friends in the Bay Area, spending time in Los Angeles. We recapped that in a three-part series called California National Parks, parts one, two, and three. Those just dropped last week. Definitely go and check them out. But Maddie and I spent three weeks traveling, and we get back on November 21st. It's a Sunday. And as I also mentioned, our family, we do very non-traditional things for the holidays, like the time we went to Vegas for Christmas. Or I could go on and on and on. But for some reason, this year, my brother and my sister and my mom and my stepdad and I were going to go to Cabo for Thanksgiving. So the plan is for everybody to fly out on November 24th, which is Wednesday. Well, silly me for not looking at my passport at all during 2020, which is when it expired, because, I mean, come on, who was looking at their fucking passport thinking about international travel in the midst of the lockdown? But just my luck, my passport just so happened to expire during 2020. So what am I gonna do? I get back from this trip and there's only two full days before my family's about to leave and I don't have a passport. So I'm thinking there's a really good chance that I might not be able to go on this trip, which to be honest, I would have been totally okay with. I would have been totally fine just having come off of this huge three-week extravaganza. I probably needed a little bit of time to just relax for a little bit. But instead of doing that, on Sunday the 21st, I get back And I don't know if you know this or not, but if you're in an immediate situation where you need to get a new passport or your passport updated, you can set an appointment at one of these regional locations and you can go there and they have the ability to overnight it for you. So on Monday the 22nd, which by the way, shout out, 58th anniversary of JFK being assassinated in the Dallas motorcade, big Kennedy guy over here, rest in power my friend. I do a trip up and back to Detroit, Michigan, because that was the earliest appointment that I could get. So on Monday, after not even being home for 24 hours, I fly up to Detroit, get to hang out, walk around the city, get to meet some people out there. I go to this passport appointment. They get me all squared away. I fly back same day to Louisville And the thing came in on the 23rd, so it actually wasn't overnight. So I'm like, great, now I got my passport, that's cleared, I can officially go on this trip. But here's the thing, I have learned from experience and I have vowed, if I can avoid it, I will not travel with my parents anywhere. If we are taking one car, let me drive separate. If you guys are going to go down there, I will meet you down there. I try and avoid it at all costs because it's just, it is so toxic the way they fight. My stepdad, for as much as he's traveled in his life and continues to travel, it's like he loses his fucking mind going to the airport, getting to the airport. It's like amateur hour and he gets all stressed out and it causes all this friction between him and my mom and then that trickles down to me and my brother and my sister and it is just miserable. So if I can avoid it, I will. And after this really, really traumatic episode in Atlanta, when we all went down there for the Louisville and Ole Miss kickoff game at the very beginning of the football season, right? So that's like September. That was one of the first times that I go, maybe this isn't something that I'm going to continue to do. No matter how cool it is, whatever it is that we get to do, it's not worth dealing with all this other bullshit. And This trip right here solidified that. So after this, I'm done. I'm done. This was it. This was my last family trip ever. But knowing all this, I say, okay, they're all flying out on the 24th. There's no way in hell I'm going to willingly get on a plane and go through the airport process with mom and Michael together and and really michael but then it's just uh, you know what it's a fucking mess okay it's a fucking mess and i don't want any part of that and personally for me i would much rather fly down by myself on thanksgiving day and sidestep all of that bullshit that they had to deal with and you know what there was bullshit that they had to deal with I got there and I heard stories about Oh they forgot this and they had to go back And you know what I'm just like It made me so glad that I said you know what Ha <laughs> ha not this time Never again my friends But joke's on me because I decided to continue to like Do a travel trip with my family Even though I didn't fly down physically with them And then you know we'll get to why That will never be a thing ever again So they're flying down on the 24th. I decide to fly down on the 25th. So I fly down on Thanksgiving Day. And you know what? It was great. So that's really where this trip begins with a bit on haters. Because man, I tell you what, I talk about this in different episodes. I talked about this when Maddie and I went down to Halloween on Bourbon Street and I was dressed as Sully and she was Boo. And I have people that try and test me, that try and test me socially. You know, just like when you see somebody walk into a room and they just, they brighten it up and they're just shining and people are attracted to them. You don't know what it is. You can't really explain it. I mean, you can if you really, really try, but there's something about certain people that it's just like a magnetic force of energy and usually the energy that you attract is the energy that hopefully you're putting out there, right? I mean, that's like the law of attraction. Put out in the universe what you hope to get back. And usually, I am that person that my energy, you know, (laughs) you can tell exactly how I'm feeling by looking at my face. I mean, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I'm an emotional guy, okay? I make no apologies for it. But you can see that. When I'm glowing and when I'm radiant, you can see that. And most people, they want to be around it. And I'm somebody that people are drawn to. But I'm also somebody that there's another group that sees me or that type of person that I'm describing, and they want to try and rain on their parade, to pull them down, to make them feel as miserable as they do, to play their games, to throw them off their way. And I literally have people crawl out of the woodwork or when I'm in social settings, uh, there's just like these characters that float in the periphery and none of them are ever worth getting into it with them or even spending that much time around them because that's all they want to do is pull you down and drag you down and make you play their games. But you know... I've come to identify these people and I never know what they're going to look like. I never know when I'm going to meet them or where I'm going to meet them or where I'm going to be, what I'm going to be doing, but I've come to expect it and I know them when I see them. And I go, there you are. I've been waiting and wondering when I would run into you and here you are. And it did not take me long to meet one of these people. Literally, as soon as I parked my car at the SDF airport in Louisville, I walk up, I check in at Delta, and I'm walking around, and in the Louisville airport, there's a little space between the front ticketing counters and the actual part where you do your TSA check-in security. So, in theory, somebody could walk in off the street, have no business at the airport, but could go undetected for hours, probably, until somebody finally realized, like, hey, who's this guy or girl sitting here? Sir, ma'am, do you have a flight that you're going to catch? Are you waiting on somebody that's arriving? Oh, no, you're not? Well, then I kindly have to ask you to leave, right? That's what I believe this person was doing. I don't believe that this person, they did not appear that they were about to be traveling on a flight, it's Thanksgiving morning. I don't think he had anywhere else to be, which is the type of person that has nothing to lose. If you got nowhere to be and nothing to lose, that's the type of person that's going to try and check somebody or test somebody just to get a reaction out of them. So as I'm walking around the corner, I've already checked my bags in, there's this guy who's sitting on a bench of seats. And I turn the corner and I'm about to put my stuff in my bag and get my ID out and my passport and prepare for the TSA pre-check experience, right? Well, as I turn the corner, I see this guy who's sitting there that looks up at me as I pass by, and I see him out of the corner of my eye. And I go to the end of the benches, so the opposite end of where he's sitting, And I'm putting my stuff in my bag. And he decides to make a move that so many other street-level punks have done to me all my life that it's become something I know instantly when I see it. So maybe, maybe 30 seconds goes by after him watching me walk past where he jumps up and reveals himself. And he goes, Dog, whatever happened to that small-town feel where everybody walked past you and said hello? He says as he throws his arms out in front of him, all dramatic, hops out of his seat. I'm zipping up my backpack and I say with a wry smile, All you gotta do is say hello. And reeling a little bit, he stammers, Things just they ain't the same as they used to be. And undeterred by this, because again, I'm just, I'm fucking numb to it, man, and he's not worth it. So I throw my backpack around my shoulder and I walk off with, Well, you know what I always say: Show love and see what shows it back. Happy holidays! And I walked off, and the look on this dude's face was absolutely shook. He was absolutely shook because that guy—I—I I, don't—I don't really know what he was trying to get from me, but he was trying to get a reaction. And the fact that I gave him that, I'm like, dude, you know, all you got to do is say hello, and. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Like, do you think this is fucking Mayberry? Is this 1960s Andy Griffith show shit, right? I don't know you, and if we had made eye contact with you, I would have definitely given you the head nod, dude. But I got my headphones in, I'm walking past, I'm trying to get my stuff situated, and I'm not in that mode. But if you're gonna jump up and try to call me out, like, dude, what do you mean? You could have said hello too, bro. Like, it's a two-way street, right? So that's what I said. All you got to do is say hello and the dude had no response. I mean he he was he was shook. And that's the way to handle people like that. And as I've gotten more and more equipped with learning how to spot these people and deal with that kind of bullshit. Or another example being people that hang out outside of like games or arenas or festivals or hotels, places that these people, they don't have a ticket, they don't have anywhere to be, but they're just there and trying to fuck with you and the people walking in. And as I've gotten older and I've realized that there are some people who are just evil or have evil intentions that are not well-intended people and just want to fuck with you, To me, it's like, I got somewhere to be, man. I got a reservation. I got a table waiting on me up top. I got somebody that I'm trying to get up here and go see. Why am I going to waste my time on some street-level thug like you that can't even get in the building? That's what it is. So that's exactly how my trip started. And I was lucky because then after that, I met that person. I didn't know what they would look like, but I saw them. I came face-to-face with them. I handled it perfectly. I'm proud of myself for the way that I reacted in that moment. And then I really didn't deal with that at all until, ironically enough, my last plane ride home headed back to Louisville. (laughs) Kind of fucking ironic, okay? But the entire rest of the trip, it was all love, man. So let's get to that part because Thursday, once I get on the plane... Thursday was mostly a travel day, happy Thanksgiving, however you choose to celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope it was a good one for you and your family, the holidays are a tough day for a lot of people, if you're a broken home family like your boy, they can be a source of pain and hurt and nostalgia can be really difficult to deal with. And I hope that uh, things were okay on your end. And we could spend another whole podcast talking about what Thanksgiving means to America. Let's also take a take a moment to shout out to the fact that history has been written by white men. And there's a line from a Jay-Z song from Watch the Throne where he says, "'Lies on the lips of the priests.'" Thanksgiving disguised as a feast, right? There's some really fucked up shit that went down, and so my heart goes out to the Native Americans that were here first that then got slaughtered, but then we all said that it was this celebratory holiday, and thus we have Macy's Day parades and Thanksgivings, and America said, we'll give you the casinos, but that's kind of a lot of bullshit, and I just, you know... I, I, it's important to note that, ok? So, but let's let's keep it moving because, um, Thanksgiving, what does Thanksgiving mean to me? Well, as I'm traveling on this plane for Thanksgiving, I downloaded a couple movies onto my iPad. And you think of Thanksgiving movies, really, what do you think about? There's one that probably comes to mind, which I would probably rate as the number one Thanksgiving movie of all time- planes, trains, and automobiles, right? John, Candy. Steve Martin, fucking classic, John Hughes, that's probably the number one Thanksgiving movie of all time. Even though it's, 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 it's about Thanksgiving, but it's really about the travel leading up to Thanksgiving, like it's set during Thanksgiving and on Thanksgiving, but there's not a whole lot of Thanksgiving movies, are there? So that's why my top three Thanksgiving movies are as follows. Number one, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Number two, Four Brothers. And number three, American Gangster. Look it up, my friends. All took place during Thanksgiving. All have shots of a Thanksgiving dinner. All top three Thanksgiving movies of all time. <laughs> Agree or disagree, weigh in. Hit me up at Benny Tom or at Real Talk W. T. So I watched these movies on the plane, and then as soon as I touch down, I got to get into preparation mode for family time, right? I am traveling to see family, so... Soon as I touched down, the place that we're staying is called Pueblo Bonito, and it's about 45 minutes from the airport. And since my family had got down the day before, my mom had arranged a private shuttle to pick me up and take me to our place, so... I'm waiting, I grab my bags, I go and check in with my people, my drivers, and I said, can I go and grab something to eat, because there's like this taco stand and there's a bar, I said, yeah, 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 sure, no problem, no problem, so I go over there, and first thing I do is rip a double shot of Don Julio, and I get two Coronas with some limes, and I get three chicken tacos, and I hopped in the shuttle, and I drove and I met my family, And I walk in and there's this beautiful infinity pool. My mom is pouring up margaritas as I walk in the door. Somebody is already in the pool and it's like paradise. It's like absolute paradise. And I thought, holy shit, this is going to be great. Because up until this trip, the whole reason that I even wanted to go to Detroit to get the passport to make this all possible was because lately it's been really chill the vibe between my brother and my sister and I has probably never been tighter, and things have been really chill with our mom lately, and yeah, I, I I deal with my stepdad, but in doses, and that's just, you know, sometimes you just have to navigate, and it's chess, and it is what it is, but I get there, and I'm thinking, okay, things are off to a pretty good start, right? But I'm also in the back of my mind thinking, holy shit, mom's pouring me a margarita as soon as I walk in the door How was this week going to go, right? But Thursday was pretty chill. We just hung out. That was Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving, everybody. On Friday, this is where things really get going, okay? Because they had a couple of different pools on the resort. This resort was fucking huge. They had like nine different resorts within one big property. So there's Monte Cristo, there's Copala, Coronado, there's... Pacifica, all these different places. And this is important detail because the first two nights that we stayed there, well, they stayed there, okay, Wednesday and Thursday, we stayed at Monte Cristo. But on Friday, we were actually moving our stuff to Copala. And that's where we ended up staying from Friday to Friday. So we stayed a week at Copala. We did two days at Monte Cristo. But that's an important detail because as we all go to the pool, the Sky Bar pool on Friday, at some point we're going to have to leave, check out of Monte Cristo, and move our stuff over into the new place that we're going to be staying at Copala. So it's like, okay. Well, I get in the pool and... Maddie T's in the building. My sister was swimming around. And they were playing Avicii and Kaigo on the speakers. And I'm been pre-gaming a little bit, so as soon as I hit the pool, man, I had the best time on Friday. We ended up running into some people that we know here from Louisville, and I'm not going to name any names just out of respect, but run into a guy and a girl, some siblings that we know that own a restaurant here in Louisville, a couple of chains, really, really good, fire, but I'm not going to give out any free advertising, okay? If you want to become a sponsor, then we can talk, but Met some people that we know through some mutual friends and that my brother knows. So now we've got like a couple people. As soon as I get in the pool, I start mingling. I'm walking around the pool. I got a drink in my hand. I have this little flamingo floaty thing that they give you for your drinks that if you actually punched out the bottom of it, because if you tried to put a drink in the flamingo itself, it was too top heavy. It just floated at the very top and it would tip over. But if you actually pushed through the little uh, part that the like the drink actually sits in, then the floaty itself, you could push it up to the middle of the cup, and then you could actually float your drink in the pool, which is pretty cool. So I got this little flamingo. I posted pictures of it at BennyTom18. Go and check those out. But. I've got this flamingo, and now I'm like introducing myself. I'm like, hey, guys, hey, this is my friend. These are my friends. I meet these three 30-something lawyers from Albuquerque, New Mexico, who were just absolutely on 10. They were a blast. I also met these three Canadian friends, uh, two girls and this other guy, and I stuck with them for a few times throughout the trip. There was also (laughs) my personal favorite. This silver fox, okay, this minxy cougar that comes up to me, and she throws herself up into my arms. so I'm holding her, I'm meeting her, her best friend and her husband, they're in their 50s, and then that cougar has a son who was then there in the pool with a big beard, and he's macking on one of the girls that are from New Mexico. There's this other group of people, and their group leader, he's a gay guy, he comes over, and as we're meeting and introducing ourselves, he has a unicorn floaty for his drink. He was the only one in the pool that had one of these. The rest of the week, I never saw anybody else with a unicorn floaty. Drink floaty. Uh, everybody else had the flamingos, but he's got a unicorn. And as we're meeting and like he's introducing his group, <laughs> he takes his unicorn floaty and he starts rubbing its nose against my pink flamingo. And he goes, Oh no, what are they doing? What are they doing? <laughs> and I go, They're touching tips. They're touching tips. It was just fucking hilarious, dude. So all of these people are in the pool and they don't know each other at all. But I was the glue guy that brought all these people together to where 30 minutes in, everybody was interacting that was in the pool. People were getting in to become a part of this. And everybody is just like, oh, my God, how do you know Ben? Oh, this is my new best friend. And they're like, where the fuck did you come from, dude? And I'm like... This is why they pay me the big bucks, baby. This is what I fucking do. I created an experience that Pueblo Bonito should fucking pay me to come back and host a couple times a year. I shit you not, okay? This was an awesome day in the pool, and everybody that was there that day had a blast. And you know me. I get off on that. So I am already working it, and I'm just absolutely loving meeting these new people. Hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. And I don't want to cut this thing short because it feels too good. It feels too positive. This is what I fucking do, man. So my mom comes over at some point hours later, and I guess it's time to leave, right? We needed to go and check in to this other place, Coppola. But to me, I'm like, why should I have to get out of the pool and go and do that when the reservation's not under my name, right? Like... It's not like I have anything to do with that other than I'm going to get out of the pool, dry off, stand around while you and Michael stress out about bags and checking in and getting stuff to where they need to go. I don't need to be there for that. Like I physically like none of us do only honestly probably you and Michael do and maybe even Michael like I don't need to get out of the pool like so I'm at I'm like mom why do I have to go like why do I have to go and my mother is standing on the side of the pool and I'm looking like a little fucking kid getting scolded because I won't get out of the pool I'm like why do I need to go like what am I going to do stand there dripping wet in the lobby like I don't need to be there. So she goes, get out of the pool right now. And I'm like, mom, but why? And she walks off. So I go back to my friends and this party that I'm throwing in the pool. And I stayed there for a couple more hours until the pool shut down. Well, unbeknownst to me, or you know, I probably could have seen this coming, but my refusal to get out of the pool started a huge shit show with my mom. And when it came time to leave the pool because the bar closed at six, but the pool closed at eight, well, most people left once the bar closed at the pool. Well, I need to go and get a shuttle to where we're now staying. The problem was Copala is the very furthest piece of property that's on Pueblo Bonito. So there aren't as many shuttles running from the market to Copala as there are going to Pacifica or any of these other places. Well, I'm calling my sister or my brother, and I'm like, hey guys, uh, can somebody come and pick me up? We have two rental cars, and I hear my mom in the background, who's drunk, saying, no, no, he has to stay. She would not let anybody come and use either of the two rental cars to come and pick me up. Because I didn't do what she wanted me to do. I didn't listen. And, and should I have listened? Maybe, okay? But I, I said a long time ago, I'm done living my life because I'm told what to do in terms of something like that. If you tell me, hey, don't drink and drive, don't run red lights, don't kill people, yeah, I'm not going to fucking do those things, right? I can't just be like, oh, you can't tell me what to do, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. But if it's something like this, where it's like, hey, I'm really enjoying this thing that I've created. Like, why can't you just see this for what it is? Look at this. Like, marvel at this with me for a second. Can you understand why I don't want to leave and why the content that this is going to generate is going to be better than getting out of the pool and watching you guys move bags from one place to the other? Like, I, I just don't see a point in doing that. So I didn't. And that was a huge problem. So because of that, nobody was allowed to come and pick me up, and I had to find my own way back, which really wasn't that big of a deal because they did have shuttles running, but I ended up having to wait two hours until a shuttle took me there, and by the time I got back, when I walked in, I'm obviously a little bit pissed off because that's a pretty fucking petty move, right? That's a pretty petty thing to do, to not let anybody come and pick me up and be like, no, he stayed, he can find his way back. And I'm like, all right, so I can go in here guns blazing, or I can just play it off like I did with the fucking low life at the airport and be like, you know what? No big deal. Smiles, kill him with kindness. I walk in, everybody's sitting on the couch, everybody's having a drink as if I'm the punchline of the joke because then everybody's like, oh my God, where? how did you get back? Like, where have you been? I'm like, hey, you know, I found my way. I uh, fixed dinner and I went upstairs and I finally made it home. But um, I'm glad everybody had a grand old time laughing at me, not being able to get a ride back. That kind of sucked. But you know what? That was worth it. It was worth it to me. But um, already the very first Full night and day that I'm here, there's already friction that's 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 starting to occur, right? Like my mom, the way that she acted when I was in the pool, and the way that she acted when I was on the phone, and I could hear her in the background. Even though she swore, the next day she was like, "No, they." I told them they could. I'm like, "Mom, I heard you in the background. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know." I decided just to let it ride because there's no point in trying to argue about it. It's just going to bring up... It, it, it's just going to take something to a whole nother level and it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. And um, yeah, my mom was really pissed off at me for that. But you know what? The next day on Saturday, knowing that this Cold War could continue for no end in sight, but I was the bigger person, and I hugged her, I said, mom, come here, because after, you know, a couple hours of being up and not really talking or interacting, I knew she was pissed off, obviously, I, I try and hug my mom and tell her things To let her know that I'm not your enemy. Please come here. Let me physically hug you. Wrap my arms around you. And just try and connect with you. That's the only way I know how. And even that didn't work. Because I pulled her in. And I was hugging her. And I said hey mom. I just want you to know. That wasn't cool yesterday. But I'm not mad. I'm letting that go. We're moving past it right now. And I love you. I swear to God, and she pushed me away when we started to talk about what do you mean that that wasn't cool, so she starts to push me away and doesn't want to be hugged anymore, so at this point, I'm starting to pick up on what kind of trip this is going to be, and it's going off the rails pretty fucking fast, and it's not looking good, so that's Saturday morning, Saturday, I really didn't do a whole lot, I chilled out, watched college football games. I wanted to recover from the previous day, and I wanted to go back to Skybar the next day, like fresh. I'm like, dude, I'm gonna go and do that shit again. Like I don't know who I'm gonna meet, but I know that we'll be friends, and it'll be fucking awesome. So Saturday was really just a chill day. Um, I also took it upon myself. I had a couple errands to run. so <laughs> on the previous day, which, again, is a reason that I'm not going to name names because I'm not going to out anybody for this, but there was one of the friends that I met who I had my... uh, (laughs) I had a drink in my Flamingo floaty that was on the little ledge of the infinity part, which the water isn't flowing hard enough to push it over the edge, right? So you can put your drinks there, and it's like a nice little bar. Well, me... I put my weed pen also tucked in between the cup and the flamingo. So it's chilling, okay? It's chilling. And as long as you're not an idiot, it'll be fine. Risky, yes. But I didn't want to have to keep on getting out, drying my hands off, getting over to the fucking towel. And so I have my weed pen, and it's right in between my drink and my flamingo. Well, one of the people that we're with goes up, and grabs the flamingo, and when they do that, the weed pen goes up and over the infinity ledge and down into the lower pool, and now I'm standing there looking at this thing at the bottom of the pool going... No (laughs) No, no, please, why? Why? I wasn't even mad at the person. I'm just like, why? Why would you do that? You literally squeezed it and the thing went boop and went tumbling over. And to their credit, I you know, look, to their credit, well, I made them go and get it. I was like, hey, you have to go get that. Like, get out, walk down there, go get it, and They did, they bring it back, and much to my amazement, this thing was still fucking ripping. This thing was still alive. I couldn't believe it. I was so relieved. But later on that night, it did die out. And silly me, this was a new pin. It's a Rove pin. And usually the pins that you get come with one of those chargers where you screw it on, right? This pin actually has like a mini USB that goes into the bottom. Well, My dumb ass forgets about that. I'm thinking, great, I came to Cabo with a weed pen without a fucking charger. (laughs) I had forgotten that you just got to plug your little mini USB thing into the bottom of it. Bada bing, bada boom, it's ready to go. So on Saturday, while I'm chilling watching football games, I went, took one of the rental cars. I was finally allowed to take one of the fucking rental cars, and I went off campus And I went to three or four different places and I found a weed pen and I was really looking for a charger just... Showing pictures, using Google Translate, asking people as I went along. Hey, I'm looking for this address, and there's a really hard barrier, a, a, a language barrier, right? But just like when I solo traveled in Europe, just like when I've been in different places where I don't know anybody and we don't even speak the same language, I pride myself on the self-reliance and the sheer ability to connect with people. If you give me, <laughs> if you give me an iPhone. So that I've got my maps and I've got Google Translate and you give me me, put me in the wild and I'll be there for a while, man. I am good in any situation. Okay, so I'm walking around and finally I find this place where they sell pens and it's inside of this Mexican sex shop. So I'm looking at some of the biggest dildos I've ever seen in my life, all kinds of sex toys. I was a little bit turned on, not going to lie, but they had Cookies brand pens. So I grab one of these pens and I head back up and that was my Saturday. Just a little R&R, right? Just a little R&R. So that's Saturday. Now, of course, I grabbed a couple people's social media stuff from Friday, and I stayed in touch with them, and on Sunday, when Sunday rolls around, I'm headed back up to Skybar. I-, I should also probably say we didn't have anything planned, like nothing planned during the days as a family. It was pretty much hang out by the pool, go to the beach, you're on your own. We had a couple of family dinners and Sunday was actually a day that we had a dinner reservation and this was not something that I could blow off all my mom wanted was for us to have a nice family dinner on Sunday so she's a little bit worried that I'm going to go back to the Sky Bar but I'm like listen I'm good all right don't worry about me I'm good so I go back to the Sky Bar on Sunday and I'm rolling solo this time I know I've only got about three or four hours, but I've been in contact with some of the people that were there on Friday. And so we meet back up, and some of these friends were amazing. They win the MVP award because they brought with them on Sunday an inflatable beer pong floaty. So there's six cups or six slots on each side. The bartender gave us cups. Our friends had brought the balls. And. They had three in their group. I was solo, so naturally we got two and two. We play a couple games. Two people get a little bit bored. Well, then other people start coming up, and they're asking, who's got next? Who's got next? And I'm not going to lie. I was running the table a little bit. Went three and one on the day. So as I'm playing and winning, now they're starting to become this little crowd that's gathering and people are wanting to get on the tables next. And it starts to become, again, a scene that was like on Friday where it's a bunch of people mingling in the pool. And sometimes, man, that's all it takes. Like, Not everybody is like this. It's not to say that people don't have fun within their own groups. But sometimes a bunch of people in a pool like that, if you just start to lead them in one way you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed the results and the feedback that you get. So as I'm sitting here kind of hosting this little beer pong tournament amongst these people, now there's this crowd that's gathering. Now more people are wanting to play. And I caught a quick turn up for about three or four hours. And finally when I lost, I ushered in somebody else's, you know, let somebody else have their turn. I don't know how long those games continued after I left, Um, I would imagine without me being there Probably lost a little bit of the luster You know I'm not gonna lie But my hope is that they continue to have a good day But I was like guys I gotta go I got this dinner that I gotta go to You you saw (laughs) the aftermath of what it was like on Friday When I just blew off checking into another place Imagine what it would be like if I fucking blew off this One dinner that my mom wants It's like I cannot So I kept it I I was responsible enough, (laughs) you know, and kept it at a good enough level where I got back, I got showered, plenty of time, and then we all ride. Now, here's the thing. My stepdad is a fucking terrible driver. I mean, he almost crushed us like three times in Atlanta until I finally took over. Very traumatic experience in Atlanta. He's a very bad driver. So imagine if he's a bad driver in Kentucky and in Atlanta, The confusion that is in some of these Mexican streets where you don't know what's a stop sign and who's got the right of way, it was fucking chaos. But the problem is none of us, neither my brother, my sister, my mom, or I want to stay sober enough to drive. So he's our de facto driver. So as we're in the car, I'm having this like big meta thought, right, that He is easily the worst driver out of any of us, but none of us want to stay sober enough to drive, and so we ride in constant fear of catastrophe, yet knowing we've still got places that we need to go. Alexa, play That's Life by Frank Sinatra. That is literally a metaphor for the relationship that I find myself in with my stepdad. Yeah, there's love there, and yeah, there's love there between my parents, but... Man, I tell you what, we're riding with this guy because we've been riding with this guy for 10 plus years And I got places that I'm trying to go and it is what it is That's life, that's life That's kind of a very deep thought And um, I mean no offense by it, but that's life So later at dinner, as I'm driving along and we almost get crushed again multiple times I have this thought I write down this Definition for something That I call Dinner dissociation And that is when You Mentally Are traveling to Or being in a far away Distant place To cope with you physically Being somewhere with family Have you ever just been somewhere And you can't wait to leave It's just uncomfortable And you feel sick to your stomach And things are just Barreling towards Catastrophe And you can see it You've seen how this story goes. You know how it probably ends. And so at dinner, you just almost just don't want to engage. So I just dissociate. I'm just mentally, I'm somewhere else. Physically, I'm here. Mentally, I'm somewhere else. And what's fucked up is if you look at the pictures from this dinner, I mean, we're this beautiful family. My mom's this beautiful woman. She's got beautiful kids. Everybody looks happy. The lighting was perfect. The dinner was amazing and yet that's not reality right i mean it is for that moment but and the, uh, the 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 irony the irony of this situation is while that was reality one of the most disgusting things about this whole thing about this relationship that exists between my mom and my stepdad which is i'm just going to be honest kind of just, um, you know, sometimes you get into something and then you stay in something because it works and it's effective and they both provide things for each other that they probably, I don't know, would be hard-pressed to get other places, maybe. Maybe not. Maybe that's not right for me to say, but, uh, y- you know, I-, I just, they're together for a reason. And we take these really nice pictures, but it's a, sh- you know, it's like, at the end of the dinner, they bring out this thing that says happy anniversary. And it wasn't even their anniversary. It was just something that they told them just to get like this free little thing and and create this moment and this night and this special dinner. I mean, it was so special to my mom. She literally fucking cried. She was drinking and emotional, but she cried at the dinner table because it was everything that she wanted. So she got her moment. And I was relieved that at least for that night, she got what she came for. That was all she wanted. But the irony of this situation, that they had told them that it was their anniversary, and yet these are people that fucking hate each other sometimes, most of the time, recently, a lot of the time, aren't even sitting on the same side, and yet they bring out this happy anniversary plate. And it was just like a fucking joke, dude. And it was just like, it was so fake, it was disgusting. And, I literally felt sick to my stomach. I mean, we had about a 30-minute drive back from this place and we're all crammed into one car and my mom's been drinking. She's past her level and, you know, when she gets to that point, anything that you say can set her off and she thinks that people are her enemy. She treats you like the enemy. She says very mean and hurtful things and it's just like, You just don't want to engage, and as I'm sitting here, sitting right next to her in the car, I I physically, I'm I'm overcome with so much anxiety, I feel sick to my stomach, like I cannot wait to get out of this car, and as soon as we got home, I literally got out of the car and started dry heaving, like it was physical for me, it was physical for me. And if you can't relate to that, if you've never dealt with anxiety, or you don't know that feeling, that eggshell feeling, or that... God, what's about to happen next? I don't know, but it's going to be fucking awful feeling, and it just eats away at you. I couldn't relax. I literally got out of the car and started dry heaving. That was awful. So it looks great. Great, right? Instagram versus reality. But we get back, and then later on, we go and meet up with uh, this brother and a sister who were from Louisville, and this was their last night, so we go to this place called The After, which is a nightclub that they've got in the market there at Pueblo Bonito, and I know how to do this shit, man. So there's like a karaoke that starts around a certain time, but until then, it's just a restaurant and a lounge. So I lock down a primetime table, a couple of tables, and there we are, me, Matt, Jillian, and this awesome brother and sister that we met down there, that I met down there for the first time, but um, that Matt had known from mutual friends. And so we're playing Uno in the club, and that's what we did. We just locked down a table. We played Uno in the club, and it was a really, really fun night. And sadly, it was the last night that they were staying there. I wish we would have had more time with them because I really enjoyed spending time with them and uh, hope to do that again sometime. But... Really, just had a good time hanging out and playing Uno in the club. Now, Monday rolls around. This is Monday, the 29th. And up until this point, I've already, you know, <laughs> I've been moving so much and I had so much content taped and banked up and I've been releasing stuff as we're on the road. But Monday hits, and for some reason, I was hit with this wave, almost like a panic attack. And I just start the morning getting up from a place of crippling physical anxiety. And if you, again, if you've never dealt with it like I'm talking about, then it's hard for you to understand. But sometimes I'll get such bad anxiety, it feels like my body is physically vibrating. And to make that stop, you have to have mechanisms, coping mechanisms, and things that you can do in order to start to, Talk yourself down off that ledge, quell some of those anxieties. And what I do when I start to feel that anxiety is you remember Dave Ramsey? He has like the debt snowball, right? You start with a little, you pay off the smallest amount of debt that you have, and then you start working and you work until you pay off and you're finally paying off the biggest piece of debt, you know, whether that's like credit card debt. But maybe you owe a hundred bucks to a friend, right? You start small, and then the momentum that you build continues to push you forward and forward and forward. So that's really how I try to approach anxiety, is I'll write down a list, physically write down a list on a legal piece of paper, all the things that I have to do that day, or the things that I'm feeling anxious about, whatever they are. And I'll start with the smallest, easiest, most simplest. Less time consuming tasks that I possibly can And I just start chipping away at those little tasks And I start checking things off the list And even something like Now again If you don't struggle with depression or anxiety or anything Something as simple as brushing your teeth in the morning Can feel like a huge fucking victory Believe me, okay Believe me, my friends So even something as small as that That's one check Now what? Eat breakfast. Now what? It's Monday, so now I'm working. I got an episode that I got to come out. I'm about to put out a three-parter, so I got a lot of editing to do. And after about four hours of chipping away at all these little tasks and working solo up in my room... I was starting to feel pretty cool about the next few months. Also, sidebar, there is a lot that's going on in my life that I've made reference to that I can't share yet, but that in due time I will. But I am right now in a place of... I think this thing's going to happen. It's not 100% yet. I'm in a holding pattern. I'm waiting. I'm navigating my way through the necessary steps. And everything is going as planned. And I fully expect it to happen. But I'd say right now I'm about on the two or three yard line. And I haven't scored yet, but I'm really fucking close. And I'm about to punch this motherfucker in. You feel me? Okay, but I have this big anxiety about a big life move that's about to happen for me fingers crossed right but there's a lot that's up in the air right now and so I'm feeling all of these pressures family the holidays the drinking having a lot of stuff to do trying to plan ahead for guests you know I got guests booked out until February but I'm trying to figure out hey my schedule is probably going to dramatically change where I can't just schedule somebody at 2 p.m. on a Thursday afternoon or 10 a.m. on a Monday morning, I'm going to have to work around that, which is totally fine, and I can't fucking wait for that. But there's a lot that I'm juggling in the air right now, and it's a little bit challenging to know when to book guests too far down the line just in case my day-to-day availability's changed. So, I don't know what my sweet spots are going to be yet. I know that I will find them and I will adjust, believe that, but most of Monday morning and afternoon, I spent getting organized for the next several weeks and starting to set things up for 2022. And no matter what, things do not stop on my end. Because yeah, I'm dealing with this anxiety and yeah, things are barreling towards catastrophe with this mom situation, but you know, That doesn't mean that I can just stop doing what's got me to this point. Because everything that I've done that's got me to this point, that's great. But that's as far as I've got. I'm as far as I've ever been. And even sitting here and saying that right now, I am as far as I've ever been in this moment. What's got me here is great. But what I do from here defines what kind of story this is going to be. And trust me, my friends, as I sit here just about to turn 30 in six months... Nobody is going to outwork me this next decade. Nobody. Watch me go to work, baby. I got some big plans coming up, okay? So I'm plotting, you know, world domination over here and I'm chipping away at this anxiety. I'm finally starting to feel good. I'm making contact with people, reconfirming interest and following up and all in all, I'm getting TikToks made, Instagram posts made, all this content. I'm editing this stuff and then I get a phone call. And it's my sister And nothing in her tone of voice Alarms me Pick up the phone I'm like hey what's up She's like what are you doing I'm like not much Just working You know it's probably uh, Man Two or three p.m. at this point I don't even know And She says I need you to come up to the pool Mom's so drunk She can't even stand up I don't know if Somebody put something in her drink But she literally had two margaritas and she cannot stand. She's screaming at these waiters and these people saying, this isn't fucking normal, I shouldn't feel this way, she swears that she's drugged, it's really bad, can you come up here? I panic. I panic temporarily because I walk downstairs, they've taken one of the rental cars to the pool that they're at, And Matt and Michael have taken another one of the cars to go golf. I've been at the place working all day long. And now there's a situation that's arisen from my mom drinking. And I'm the one that's getting the call to come and pick up the pieces and help. And I feel so helpless because there's nothing that I can do. I I don't have a car. I don't have a way to get up there. I'm like, Jillian, you have the car right? And if I try and get a shuttle from this place, like I don't there's nothing I can do. I I don't know what to do. So we get Matt and Michael involved. We end up going and she comes home and my first instinct is we need to take her to the hospital because she needs an IV. She needs a toxicology report and she needs an IV because no matter what That IV is going to flush a lot of shit out of her system and it's going to speed up this sobering process by I don't know how many hours, but this is exactly what needs to happen. We need to get her to an emergency room. We need to get an IV in her and we also need to obtain a toxicology report because if she was slipped something in her drink, that's very serious. We need to know what it is. We also need to be able to rule out what it isn't right if it's not that she got roofied or that there's been GHB or some kind of a drug that's been slipped in there like we need to know that maybe it was just a weird reaction right I don't know but she blacks out at the pool she couldn't stand and we take her to get an IV And and I just I I just I don't know man yeah I panicked when I got that call but I sprang into action and I knew that she needed to get her system flushed and we wanted to obtain a toxicology report well I don't know what was in the toxicology report I they didn't ever give us a physical thing they said that roofies were not in there they said that there was no they didn't detect any sort of drugs I don't know what her blood alcohol content was. My sister had fallen asleep for about 30 minutes while my mom was unattended. So I I don't think that she pounded shots or anything, but I wasn't there. I don't know. No one truly does. Um, Could she have been slipped something Maybe the bottles that they serve alcohol, you can't even take, like we call them fun stoppers in college, right? You'd buy like a handle of Heaven Hill Vodka or Kentucky Gentleman and immediately you would take out a key or a knife and you would pop off this little plastic cap that slows the pour of alcohol. So you can really let that thing go glug, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like we call those fun stoppers. But at these resorts, the bottles are designed where you can't take that off. So somebody would have had to slip something in her drink after it was made. Whether that happened and whether I'm alleging that happened, I am not alleging that that is what happened. I don't know. I don't know what occurred. That's one possible scenario. Another possible scenario is, yeah, when Jillian's asleep, she could have gone up there and bought hella shots. But, you know, I ruled that one out because um, it would have shown up on the bill. And so there would have been proof of how much she actually drank. So I, I, I don't buy that one. And then scenario number three, it's just a fluke accident. And she had a weird reaction. And you never know how alcohol and medication that you're taking can mix. I don't know what medication she's on. She swears that she's not on any. But you don't know. You don't know what. But I can promise you this, based on just what I observed in her behavior, it wasn't just alcohol. I don't know what it was, but the way that her eyes were moving, they were moving very erratically. She would, start to, uh, she would start to say things, and she would get frustrated because she was having clear thoughts, but she couldn't communicate it. She couldn't talk. She was incapacitated. I mean, she was out of it, and I don't give a fuck what you say, especially if we're talking about a binge drinker. Two margaritas is not going to create that. And again, I don't know if she's on some kind of a medication that would have caused that. I don't know. But it was extremely scary. And here I am just having spent this day taking all of this anxiety and defeating it. And then, boom, this fucking hammer drops. And, man, I tell you what... um, I went back up to the pool where they were at, and I obviously, look, I'm not going up there to cause a scene or anything. I'm going up there because I want to talk to somebody, and I want to look at the person who was the runner, and I want to look at the person who's serving the drinks, and I want to look these people dead in their eye and say to me, tell me you didn't put anything in her drink, because I'm telling you, man, it's not normal. It wasn't normal. I can't explain it, but she was not just on alcohol i i I don't know I don't know, so I don't know if she took something. I don't think that she did she she's never had a history of that kind of a reaction, certainly alcohol abuse, but I've never seen her the way that she was and again, somebody that drinks as much as she does when she does turn up it, it, it's just it's very, very abnormal to have had a reaction like that and so the the waiters. And the managers, they're huddled around, and I'm just, I'm very calm. I, I wasn't rude. I'm just trying to understand and get to the bottom of this. I just want to talk to the people who were serving the drinks and the bartender. And I, I spoke with the manager who said, yeah, these are really serious allegations. If we did this, we would be fucking like, we wouldn't be able to exist. Like, this would be really, really, and I'm and I like, dude, I know I'm just telling you, we're on our way to get a toxicology report. This does not look good for you guys. This is not a good look for you. Now, again, the toxicology report came back clean. There were no substances that showed up like date rape drugs that would have incapacitated somebody. I don't know. I, I wish I had an answer. I don't know. Two drinks, couldn't stand, couldn't walk. Eyes were moving so erratically As if she was on drugs I mean she was on something But it's unclear Where it came from How she ingested it And uh, you know That was a really fucked up day But what, what was even more fucked up And what really really hurt me Was that we get to the ER And They only allow one person Back into the room And so we end up spending about five or six hours there, but I'm the one that takes mom back. I mean, we're waiting to get checked in. She can't stand by herself, obviously, so she is holding on to my arm with her head against my shoulder, not talking, not moving, and we're waiting patiently. We get checked in. They take us back. Her and I go back. And as soon as we get down, I explain to. The doctor and the the doctor's assistants that were in the room, what was going on, what we were looking for, and at some point, as has happened so many times, I become the enemy. And my mom gets to this place of toxicity when she drinks where, watch the fuck out, because she's going to say the meanest, most hurtful shit that you ever heard in your life. Sober. She is the nicest person all day long. She's a sweetheart. But when she drinks and gets to that point, man, she can fucking cut you down in ways that you didn't even know were possible. And as we're sitting there, and as they're about to put the IV in and they're getting the bands, all of a sudden, as she's been fighting me, you know, she's hitting me, she says, wait, wait. I want a second opinion. I don't trust this one. I don't trust you. I don't trust you. I want the other kids in here. I don't want him in here. And they're literally about to insert this, and she's been a a bitch to them. And and I'm looking at the people that are in the room, you know, the doctors and the nurses, and they're looking at me with just pure sympathy, like, man, I'm sorry. And I'm looking at them like, (laughs) I'm sorry too. That you guys got to deal with this for however long this takes. And they're looking at me like, I'm sorry, this is your reality and you got to deal with this. Right? So mom's saying that she wants a second opinion. I'm like, second opinion about what? They're putting a fucking IV in your arm to sober you up. It's not a life or death. Pull the plug. Like, you don't need a second opinion, dude. You're getting this IV. So... She's hitting me and she says she wants Jillian She starts swinging her hand at me And she's just giving me these ugliest looks She's already been ugly to the people in there And I, I just said, you know what, fine Jillian, have at it Have at it And I left the room And I, I was like So heartbroken in that moment And I wrote this note down and this was the first thing that I just got out. My mom continues to hurt the people who are trying to help her the most, and it affects me in a major way. It's becoming an every trip event that there comes a tipping point, and you feel like you have this breakthrough moment, that you really reach somebody, and you come together, and that things are gonna be different, but then it doesn't, and sometimes the next time, it's worse. And it's really just this heartbreaking cycle. And it's not fair. It's not fair to me or my family. And it hurts us. My mom hurts me when she drinks. I know that she loves me, but she hurts me so deeply when she drinks. And the thing is, I get it. That's all that woman knows is hurt. And at the end of the day, that's what it is. She's been hurt so deeply that that vial comes out from deep within, and I feel for my mom, but it is inexcusable to act the way that she does, and treat me the way that she does, because I don't deserve that, and I try to connect with her so many times, and let her know, mom, I'm not your enemy, but she just won't let her guard down, and she's committed to her current state of existence, and I used to think that there was hope, and that There's always more ways than one way forward, but she's never followed up on any of the things that we've talked about, and what really hurt was after Atlanta, we really thought that that was a breakthrough. I thought that we had a breakthrough moment as a family, as a core four, me, Matt, Jillian, and mom in Atlanta, and yet weeks later, it was all meaningless bullshit, and nothing changed, and still, She chooses to drink alcohol despite numerous years of toxic behavior, tumultuous relationships, physical abuse, property damage, EPOs, DVOs, legal issues, all of the above. So it's just a clusterfuck. And you know what the worst part is? If I open up my heart to you and I speak to you right from that place and I'm asking you, please stop doing something that hurts me and your response is to continuously say fuck you by totally disregarding it and doing the thing you know causes issues and that you've been asked to stop doing, then it's just selfish. It's purely selfish for someone to act like that to the people who just want the best for you, to see you happy. And she continues to hurt the people that try and help her the most. And sitting there in that emergency room in the middle of Mexico, my heart was broken once again. And the things that she said to me and to Michael and to Matt and to Jillian in this moment to me, but other offhanded comments that she had made while drinking leading up to this, it's just, it's so hurtful. It's so hurtful. And uh, the only way that I, I can process it without... Fucking myself up and trying to escape from this reality and using things like alcohol or drugs or sex or risky behavior to numb this stuff is to actually own it and open up about it and talk about it. So that's what I'm doing. And if it sounds like I'm slamming somebody or being unfair, uh, look, everybody's entitled to their opinion, but this is my reality and this is accurate. This is all factually what happened, you know, there's not a lot of opinion in here, it, it, it is not fair to treat someone like that, and it is not fair to have to pick up the pieces again and again and again, but this is something that I've dealt with my entire life, so that's why when I got that call, I'm like spring into action mode, I'm like, okay, here we go again, but that was a really fucking shitty Monday, talk about a shitty Monday, that's about as worse as they come, And um, again, I'm not really sure what to believe I did go back up to the pool And I spoke to the managers and the staff members And I don't know But it it is very weird The way it all went down Um, It was just really sad to see And uh, regardless of what went down The fact of the matter is that This was a situation that came From drinking alcohol And this was just like It was only a matter of time before something like this culminated in something like this in the way that she had been drinking already this trip. And the fact of the matter is that her alcohol consumption finally hit a breaking point after already crossing the line. And yeah, okay, fine. It sucks. You had two margaritas. But it just feels like here we go again and you're drunk and I'm the bad guy and fuck me, right? And that hurts. That really, really hurts. That day really hurt me. Tuesday was a little better. I mostly stayed around in my room pretty much the entire day and edited the three-part series of the California National Parks episodes that I put out because Tuesdays, Monday and Tuesdays are my content days, right? Tuesday is really heavy content day, and then Wednesday is episode day. So that's when new episodes come out, and then I've got a lot of work to do putting that stuff out on social media and... Um, Tuesday I'm getting all that stuff prepared So I really didn't leave my room a lot I didn't feel like leaving my room a lot on Tuesday And I really just didn't feel like going out and being around my mom And um, later on I went and got lunch Uh, I, I found this really great place that had an al pastor burrito And it was deep fried And oh my god this thing was so fire But that was really the day Like I hung around They were going to dinner but after that night, after Monday night, I said, okay, I'm done doing family dinners. Don't ask me. I'm, I'm not. Um, instead, for dinner, I went off the property again down into Cabo, like downtown Cabo. And I went to a place called Tacos Ramiro's in downtown Cabo's. And it is amazing. It's so great. And um, the people that own it are really, really nice, okay, because when I go there, I order, they give me the food, I'm ordering it to go, and I go to pay with a credit card, and they say, oh, no, 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 cash only, cash only. I don't have any cash. I don't have any American dollars. I don't have any pesos. All I have is digital. I'm like, do you take Venmo? They're like, no, they don't take Venmo. I'm like, I put my both my hands on my heart, and I'm like, I'm so sorry, but I... I I, 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 I offer to hand the food back And I'm like I'm so sorry But I don't have cash I didn't know Like I didn't know I couldn't use a credit card Or a debit card And the woman who owns the stand It's a street taco stand right But they've, they've got a bar and TVs And you can hang out there And she's like "It's okay, it's okay It's okay It's okay I mean she looked me in my eyes And she could tell what type of person that I was And she gave me a slide And she goes just come back another day And I was like, okay, all right, sure. And of course, she probably said that knowing damn well she'd probably never see me again. And for most people, if they got to slide like that, they probably would think, hey, I just got away with some free dinner. But I knew that I wanted to go back and square up. And uh, I did a couple days later. But that was pretty much Tuesday, man. I spent most of the day working. And then Wednesday rolls around. So Wednesday, I mostly, again a lot of work to get the episode up, show notes, a lot of stuff that has to go up on different social media platforms. It gets formatted a bunch of different ways. I posted the episodes. I actually, because there were three episodes, so three that go up on Spotify and three that go up on Apple Podcasts, that means there's potentially three different links or six links depending on how you listen to stuff. So I set up a new link tree and I followed up with the next step in something that um, I hope to have some good news To share with you here In uh, the next several weeks But this was a big day for me Wednesday twelve one, Big day on the calendar Everything that I've been doing Has been leading up to this moment And uh, I put the message out there And I'm like okay now we wait And I-, I wish I could tell you more I wish I could tell you more But that's all I can give you now um, This was like a date that was set as being a next step in this process that uh, is going to set me up in a major way. So Wednesday during the morning, I take care of all that stuff and I went up to the Sky Bar later at night instead of going to dinner with my family. And the thing is, I didn't know who I was going to meet, but I knew that we would vibe. And I come back to one of my deepest beliefs. Time and time again, this has proven true for me. I don't believe in strangers. To me, there's only friends that I haven't met yet. That's a universal vibe, and that's how I know it's real, because what reason would a stranger have, what incentive would a stranger have to not be totally honest with you? Why would a stranger lie to your face, right? I mean, maybe there's like, you could say, well, somebody might just be trying to be your friend, and they're validating you and being superficial and trying to connect but like if you are having a conversation with a random person that you meet somewhere what reason do they have to lie to you if you start to open up and share and you're kicking things back and forth in a conversation the 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 the, the truest most purest forms of feedback that I've found come from complete strangers because They don't have a reason to lie to you and they're not really like your friends so they're not worried about hurting your feelings. Like they're gonna keep it a thousand with you, right? Like they are going to keep it real with you and I love deep intimate conversations with total strangers and that's just how I know it's real. You get out of your comfort zones and you meet people that have no reason to lie to you and that's always how I measure up with who I'm being versus who I think that I am. You know, it's always a great way to measure it up. Go have a conversation with a stranger. You'll find out who you really are. And I go up to the Sky Bar, and the Sky Bar closed down at 6 on Wednesday, but I go up to the hot tub, And I met this dude and his chick that he's traveling with. They're friends. So it's, you know, they're just a guy and a girl. And they're from Portland, Oregon. And they were 21 and 19. So they're young, but they're hella cool. And I was like, what are you guys doing after this? You know, I really don't have any plans. They're like, well, we were thinking about going to the after. I've got my backpack, I've got Uno in there, I've got my pen, I've got all my games. Like, I'm, I'm just like, you know, I'm a vibe, dude. I show up and I bring the vibe. So they invite me back to their place while they get changed and then we head back up to the market and we stayed at the after, and which is again the nightclub there at Pueblo Benito and we played Uno again and danced a little bit and listen to this, man. So the three of us are playing in there And some other girl came, and she was sitting down, and she was just hanging out with us, and they had karaoke going. But we were playing this game, so I didn't get up and do any karaoke, personally. However, somebody had put on Gold Digger by Kanye West, and man, when that song came on, I stood up and started singing it, because no one came to the stage, and I could have gone up there and grabbed the microphone, but I was playing cards I should have. I didn't even need the microphone, though, because my voice projects in such a way that I was leading the song. And, man, I'm telling you what, I shut this bitch down. I had this place rolling. Yes, I was probably the loudest and leading it. But I had everybody else starting to get up and dance. And it was, again, just this moment that I created, just being myself, getting up there and singing. And that was my moment. And I had people who were, you know, as I as I like... I sat back down for a minute to play Uno because I'm trying to do both. You know, I'm trying to entertain an entire nightclub and also play Uno with this group of three people, right? So as soon as I sit down to play my cards, I have somebody who comes up and is literally pulling me back up, trying to push me back up onto the stage. It was fucking awesome. But I got to say this too, dude. Fuck the DJ because at some point they stopped playing karaoke requests. And this dude, I was asking him, I went up to him and I was like, hey, dude, if you play Can't Tell Me Nothing by Kanye West, I will shut this fucking place down. Like, I will, like, like dude, trust me. Play Can't Tell Me Nothing by Kanye West and it's going to be a fucking movie. And the guy wouldn't do it. And he acted like he couldn't hear me. And what he was really doing was he was like, Pay me pay me pay me So I was like are you fucking serious This guy's fucking-? I'm like you know what fine fuck it For this moment to be created I am willing to do it So I go back to my seat I grab my phone I pull up Venmo I'm like dude what's your Venmo And the guy didn't have Venmo And he wouldn't accept anything else He acted like, like he kept on pointing to his ear When I didn't have my phone or anything Because he was like money talks So when I grab my phone I'm like hey dude alright what's your Venmo He didn't have Venmo and he wouldn't put it on and it reminded me cuz he wouldn't do it he wouldn't do it and like the ego sometimes of some of these DJs at these events um nobody wants to be outshined right so he wants to be the guy that's like his main identity and you got to understand the psyche of somebody who's doing these events like that and whatever they they're god in that situation like they have the power they say what plays They cut to the next, they say no, so they have a lot of power, and that power, people power trip on that, and if you've ever seen this movie called The Goods, Live Hard, Sell Hard, it's fucking hilarious, it was like a direct-to-DVD release, but dude, the cast is loaded, Jeremy Piven, okay, Ari from Entourage, he is this guy named Don Reddy, and he's a car salesman. And Craig Robinson is a DJ at this car lot. And literally, I've got these videos pulled up where it reminds me of sometimes you get these DJs that literally this is their mentality. Hey, DJ, this place is about to pop. Why don't you throw in some Charlie Daniels? Good call. You know I love it. you let me touch it. Nobody tells DJ requests what to play. Let them tell you what to play, they lose respect for you. They lose respect for you, you lose control. Not today. Every day they will test you. Every day they will push you to the brink. You must fight them, DJ. (laughs) that was him, dude, I swear to God, that was, he would not fucking, he wouldn't even talk to me, like, he wouldn't even talk to me, because he didn't want to be outshined, and, and after him watching the way that Gold Digger went, I know that this guy was like, dude, if I let this dude really glow like this, like, he, he didn't want me to be great, that's what it really boils down to. He did not want me to be great, and if I had cash, I would have tipped him. I didn't. Again, I, I I should probably start traveling with some more cash. But uh, yeah, man. Anyways, I still ended up shutting the place down with Gold Digger, and everybody was feeling it, and it was fucking awesome. And uh, I love karaoke. I mean, I I really do. You know, it's just like hey, give me the microphone, and one of my favorite songs ever, I mean, hey, I'm already used to holding a microphone and speaking and being in front of people as is, so it's just like a natural thing for me, and it was a fucking blast, dude, I I think I probably, I'm not even gonna lie, not even trying to be conceited or anything, I was easily the best performance out of anybody that, that was up there, I'm just gonna be honest, I'm the star of the show, I'm the fucking star of the show, man. So, again, that's why they pay me the big bucks, okay? But, yeah, Mr. Uh, Self-Conscious DJ didn't want me to steal his thunder too much, so he wouldn't play my request. He doesn't take requests, apparently, and he doesn't take Venmo either, but, uh, oh, well. That was Wednesday. (laughs) Thursday, Thursday was really my day, okay? Now, again, I've been talking about a lot of great things and fun moments that have happened. What do you notice about them? My family is absent in all of them. The, the times where I feel the most strain and anxiety and physical unrest is when I'm with my mom and my stepdad in the same place. When I'm off on my own, that's when I'm really thriving. So that's why I started this entire episode by saying it was the best of times and it was the worst of times because I fucking felt that. Earlier in the week, I had Googled waterfalls near me in Cabo. I knew there had to be some. And I found one. Cascada Sol de Mayo Waterfall. Look up this place. Google it. I saw a picture of this waterfall. And I said, I have to go here. I have to. So again, I took one of the rental cars. Because after the whole ER episode, I basically couldn't be told no. So if I wanted to take a rental car, I basically had my own rental car for the rest of the time. And I was kind of just on my own solo trip at that point. Sleeping and you know being with family you know my brother and my sister we're we're all fine you know but my mom and my stepdad and that that whole situation um i said you know i'm going to go off and i'm going to do the thing that i want to do on thursday because it's our last full day i want to go to this waterfall i pitched this early in the week nobody really seemed to be too interested or picked up on it and i said i'm not leaving this place without having seen this place. And Thursday was my favorite day because I drove about two hours through Mexico, Baja, California, Sur, up the coast to get to this place. And you pull up and there's signs for it and there's this petting zoo. It's not a petting zoo, but they have a lot of animals that are in these cages, all different kinds of animals that are like, owned by the people that own the land and that own the farm and that are right here next to this waterfall. The waterfall is about half a mile that you got to hike to get to it. But, dude, go look at pictures of this on my Instagram, at RealTalkWBinnyT. It was absolutely worth it. And solo trips to me are always the best because, again, I never know who I'm going to meet but I know that it's going to be genuine, it's going to be real, and it's going to be a friend that I make for life. And I met a lot of new friends on this solo trip day. Going to hang out at the waterfall, I swam, I jumped. So I saw pictures of people jumping, and of course you got to be fucking careful, right, and smart. But I go to where I think the deepest part is, where if you jumped off, you would land. And I held my breath and and I threw my arms up, and I went down as far as I could, and I was trying to see if I could touch the bottom to see how shallow it was. So, if I jump from this, like, 40-foot-high thing, then I know that I'm not going to, like, snap my fucking knees, right? Or send my shin bones through my skin in a compound fracture. That would not be a fun way to end the trip, right? So, I swim down, I touch the bottom, it's probably, I don't know, 20 feet deep, so I'm like, okay, cool, 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 like, I push back up off this thing, had to really paddle up to get to the surface, like, it was, you know, it was kind of deep down there, but I'm a master diver, a master diver, so there's a couple people who are standing around that are looking up at it, man, there's a video of me, and I'll put it on YouTube, it's on TikTok, at 18. But you have to climb up these rocks to get to the top. And there's a part, there's like an impasse that I reached that was really, really difficult. And if you're watching it, you'll be like, holy shit, if this dude didn't have some serious upper body strength, he would have fallen off. Like, I had to kick off and use my upper body strength and then use, you know, kind of like hold myself like a pull-up type position. While I got my feet up underneath me and pulled myself up, and I got up to the top, I I walked over, I looked at what the view was from what we couldn't see from below, I took a deep breath, and I jumped, and man, it's a dope video, and I got a round of applause, it was pretty fucking awesome, and then as I continued to stay there and swim and just meet people the rest of the day... Uh, I met a guy named Freddie, and Freddie is a lifelong friend. I'll use Freddie's name because we got a video together. And man, I just struck up a conversation with Freddie. He was a local, he was one of the guys that worked the grounds there. And he let me go and hang out with the animals because all these different animals, man. There's, Dude, I saw goats that had been born three hours ago that still had umbilical cords hanging from them that were just starting to feed from their mothers. I saw horses, donkeys, all different types of animals, chickens. And I just went up to the fences and, dude, this might sound super hippie, but animals can pick up on vibes. And I just... Walk up to this fence And I'm like Talking to them Like Hi friends Hey guys How's it going I'm Ben Nice to meet you I'm here alone You guys look like You're some pretty cool cats Over here You know I'm just like Saying whatever But I'm just like I'm 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 just being open And I'm just trying To channel my energy Into letting these animals Know that like Hey I'm cool Like let's be cool I'm, I'm your friend You know I'm not here to hurt you Or anything And um I started to have like a really cool bond with these animals, and one of the guys, Freddy, who's watching this all happen, he walks over and he sees the effect that I'm having on these animals. It's undeniable, man. It's undeniable, right? When I'm glowing, it's undeniable, and my guy, Freddy, walks over, and we strike up a conversation, and we ended up getting this video right here. All right, so we spent a great day out here at the waterfall, and I met my guy, Freddy, right here, <laughs> who is my new friend. Mm. And uh, yeah. he invited me to walk around and see all of their different petting zoo animals. They've got all kinds of animals, and he's just a really good dude with a good <laughs> heart, man. Say what's up, man. Well, I arrived with Betty T. <laughs> and, you know, I'm happy to know you, and you're very nice, man, you know. And you're welcome anytime to Baja, you know. I really like to... Have this kind of people, you know, because you're a very good big man, you know. <laughs> it's universal, man. It's universal. Although we live two very different lives, just the ability to connect with somebody, it's why I say and believe your vibe attracts your tribe. Your vibe attracts your tribe. And my tribe grew by one more. Freddie, I got a lot of love for you, man. Thanks for letting me hang out and giving me an experience that um, most people don't get because most people... Don't ever think to have a conversation with the person that's working the grounds. You know what I mean? But that's the thing with me. I don't care if you're the CEO or the guy cleaning the toilets, man. I'm going to treat you the exact same unless you give me a reason not to, right? The guy in the Louisville airport, like that kind of shit, like then you're dead to me. But I'm going to give everybody the same exact chance no matter what they look like or where they come from. And whereas most people would have probably just walked by and ignored this guy, (laughs) We struck up a conversation and and now we're friends on Facebook and it's really fucking cool. And funny enough, as I'm standing there talking to Freddie, there's another really nice couple that had been swimming at the waterfall and it was starting to get dark and they're walking back and they come up and they start talking and they're just listening to what Freddie and I are talking about. And they invite me up into their little cabana and I, I guess there was like a hostel that you could stay at right outside of this waterfall area so cascada sol de mayo waterfall please check it out and i would highly recommend you stay in whatever hostel and lodging is right there because these people literally walked from their place to this waterfall whereas i had to drive a couple hours to get there from cabo which is no big deal but had i go back like if i would give anybody a recommendation go and stay at least a night at this place, and see Freddie, and tell him you ride with Benny T, and uh, show him the video, and be like, do you remember this fucking guy, he's gonna be like, yes, my friend, like, dude, I'm, I'm telling you, you'll have a great time, and you'll probably get an experience that you wouldn't get if you just showed up otherwise, I, I, I promise you, okay, but... These people, they invite me up, so then I get to see what this place is like on the inside that they're staying. You know, I've got my backpack, so again, I've got Uno. Here's a traveler's tip. This is the best traveler's trick and tip that I could possibly offer you. Always keep the motherfucking things on you. What I mean by that is games. If you keep Uno, Phase 10, a deck of cards, cards for humanity, keep something on you because that is always Always the move. Okay. So this couple invites me back, and they weren't even a couple. They were just a guy and a girl who travel for a living, and they were in their 50s or 60s and just good friends. And they invited me in. I had a glass of wine. We played Uno, which was super cool. And then after about a glass and a couple of games and getting to have a nice, really deep conversation with them, I went and drove home and I drove the two hours back to Cabo. And Before I got back to Pueblo Benito, before I get back into the gates and onto the property, this time I did have cash. And I go back to Tacos Romero's, and I went back to the woman who had been so kind as to give me the tacos when I didn't have the money to pay. And not only did I pay for the tacos that I got the second time I went, because they are that fire, I swear to God you should go there, but I also squared up and, and left a very nice tip for her gracefulness and just the gesture of letting me slide. And you know, she probably thought that she was never gonna see me again, and I got a video with her. And I was like, hey, I do this thing, would you wanna get a shout out? And can I put you on social media? She was like, sure. So here was a video that we took. Angelica, why are these the best tacos? These are the in- best, best tacos, Ramiro. This is a pastor in lengua. The best. The best. The best. That's real talk, man. You heard it here first. Best tacos in Cabo's. Take it from my girl Angelica. And also, you gotta believe your vibe attracts your tribe, man. I'm just an international guy, man. I don't know who I'm gonna meet, but I know that we're gonna be friends. Unless they're a fucking hater, which I do have one more story about a hater on my way back home. So that wraps up Thursday, and I go back home. We wake up the next day on Friday, and we flew back home as a family. I know it sucked. I had to fly home, and yes, it was a little bit stressful with them, but um, I'm on a Southwest flight, so I flew Delta on the way there. From now on, I'm I'm only going to fly Delta, and uh, I, I will no longer fly Southwest, but on I'm on this, and, and and it's not even Southwest's fault. It's just a preference thing. I am a Delta guy, and uh, my family, on our way back, they booked everybody's flight with Southwest. And so I'm flying back with them, and my sister and my brother and I, on one of these flights, we are seated in the very back row. So the bathroom and the flight attendant's little cabin is right behind us. And everybody knows that you're not supposed to stand and create a line for the bathroom. You wait until the light goes, and then you get up, and you go, and you come back to your seat, and this is like day one shit, right? But I'm sitting here in the aisle in the very last row, and this mother and her son walk back there, and there's somebody that's in the bathroom, And they're standing there for maybe like a minute or two and this woman is physically touching me She's standing in the aisle and her arm is physically touching my shoulder And I politely pull my mask a little bit away so that she can kind of see my my lips that i'm talking to her And I pause my music and I I very politely I swear to god I ask if they could find somewhere else to stand I said hey could you maybe scoot up into that little space or just go back to your seat until the bathroom's open? She got so pissed off. She bends down and she goes, well, he could piss on your lap. How about that? (laughs) I started laughing and I said, you know what? That response right there tells me everything I need to know about you as a person. To which she goes, she tried to say something about shut up and fuck you and go back to watching your video. And I laughed and I I probably shouldn't have said this, but right before I clicked on my uh, thing to start my music again, I go, you're a bitch. And you know what she said? You're a cunt. Right there in front of like her six, seven, eight-year-old child. She called me a cunt. I couldn't believe it. And the flight attendant, the guy that's been taking care of us, I told him, and I'm like, dude, did you just hear that? And he's like, no, what happened? And I told him, he's like, I am so sorry that happened. I'm like, dude, it's not your fault that she's a shitty person. I couldn't believe it. She literally called me a cunt, and her son's standing right there. And all I did was say, could you please go and sit down? You're literally touching me. Please go and sit down in your seat, or just step into that area and that they serve the drinks and they they get the carts and and where the the stewardesses and the flight attendants sit and that's what she said. Well, he could piss in your lap. How about that? And I just, you know, again, just like the guy at the beginning of this trip, I am not well, I say I'm not. I am doing my best and I am giving every single ounce of energy it takes to constrain myself and not give people the reaction that they want and to meet fire with fire. And in that moment, saying what I said, you know what? (laughs) That response right there tells me everything I need to know about you as a person. That's going to cut deeper than any name I could have called her or anything that I could have said because it's true. And the truth hurts. Like Lizzo says and knows best, the truth fucking hurts. Okay? and i couldn't believe it and yeah i i did so i was like you're a bitch and she was like you're a cunt and that's when i just kept on watching my video or playing my music or whatever because i was like obviously this is just like not gonna i'm not gonna fucking continue to engage because that's what she wants she clearly wants a fight i, I but i just i couldn't believe it i couldn't believe it and i turned to my brother and my sister and and they couldn't believe it either and i'm just like it's just something about me man People either really love me or they really fucking hate me. And sometimes I am an asshole and I do deserve the hate that comes my way. Other times people just love to fucking hate me. And this lady and the guy in the airport, I don't know. I don't think the guy at the airport at the beginning of the trip hated me, but he was just trying to test me, so it's a different thing. This lady, she just spit her venom at me, and I just spit daisies right back at her, and I was like, you know what? I I, I saw into your soul in that moment. I'm not impressed, and uh, really no response to that other than that I'm a cunt, and uh, hey, <laughs> cool, you know? That's cool, but that's... um. That's how the trip ended, man. And uh, when we got back, I spent a couple days just collecting my thoughts. Uh, It was difficult going from... I mean, I literally spent only two days in Louisville going back as far as October 29th to December 3rd. I was gone the entire time. And I've talked about this before. When I came back from Europe... And when you come back from a trip like these trips that I've just been on, everything is new. You're meeting new people. You're trying new foods. Every day you wake up and there's an excitement. You don't know what's going to happen. But if you're like me, you know that it's probably going to be pretty fucking awesome and you're probably going to meet some pretty fucking awesome people along the way and get some really great stories out of it. Then you wake up with just this lust for life. And when all of that stops and you find yourself in a place that Maybe you were leaving because you wanted to escape or maybe you're tired of seeing the same things all the time. You need a change or maybe you're just kind of bored or maybe you're stuck or maybe you're just tired of seeing all the same things in the people that you've seen all your life and you just you're ready for something else coming back after all of the things that I've talked about in these last several episodes. It was tough. It was tough. And uh, finding all the words and structuring all of these thoughts to put into this episode took a long time, not going to lie, not going to lie. I know I make it look pretty seamless and easy and hey, this little silver tongued devil over here, yeah, there's a lot of work that goes into it, you know, but I do it because I love it, because I'm good at it, and because otherwise, I don't know how else to make sense of my life. But by talking with this microphone and using it as my therapist and using strangers as my therapists and connecting with people and connecting and bonding over things like trauma and therapy and alcoholic mothers or abusive fathers or broken homes and divorce and families and abuse and self-abuse, I mean, you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed if you're just willing to be vulnerable, what that attracts. And sometimes, most of the time, it's all good, you know? You'll find your tribe. Other times, you're going to find haters. But don't let that get you down. I don't let that... I Honestly, after talking about and recounting those stories about that lady and telling me that uh, her child was going to piss on my lap and the guy in the Louisville airport who had nothing better to do but to try and throw me off my path, you know, it's just like, they fail to exist to me after I'm done taping this because I'm never going to think about it again or talk about them again because they're not worth it, you know? So don't let haters or people that try and throw you off your path slow you down. Just take it in stride and take it as being in the right place. Like, I, I, I take it, I'm, I'm humbled that these people try and do that shit to me because to me, that, that tells me that, like, it's apparent, you know? And just like in the pool or at the waterfall where people see me and they're attracted to me, it also can attract a different crowd of people. And you got to watch the company that you keep. You got to watch for snakes in the grass. Um, (laughs) You know, our true enemy has yet to reveal himself. Like, all of those things are true, but I don't like to spend too much time thinking about it because it is a bummer. Like, it's depressing, you know? And I just spent way more time talking about all the great people that I met along the way and these lifelong friends that I made. And you know what? That's the beauty of social media. You can stay connected with people and uh, it's really a beautiful thing. So for as many great times as I had on this trip, they were equally balanced out by some really, really bad and traumatic times, spending time in the emergency room with my mom, and having to deal with that toxicity, and being re-traumatized all over again, and that whole episode, that whole day was just, that fucking, that was terrible, Um, I cried, I cried, I cried, Um, and running into those other two people that I've just Spent some time talking about like I'm always going to see those people again. That's why I believe I never know what they're going to look like. I never know what shape or form they're going to take. But there's always going to be those people that try and get in my way and throw me off my path. And all I got to do is just juke one's juke twice, spin, hit the fucking stiff arm once in a while, and keep on moving until I get to the fucking end zone, baby. And that is real talk. And that's what I'm going to continue to do. So I hope that you've enjoyed this Thanksgiving special. And as my boy Chucky Dickens would say, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was Thanksgiving 2021. Hey, I am back next week. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast if you haven't already. There's been some people that have been leaving reviews on the Apple Podcast page lately. I've seen those numbers going up. Thank you to everybody that's done that. If you haven't done that, it takes two seconds. Please, please show love and do that. Follow along on all social media channels, either at BennyTomp18 or at RealTalkWBennyT.com. I got some very special guests lined up for you next couple of weeks. I got guests booked into February 2022, baby. So we're sitting on a lot of content. Because we went so deep on this one, I'm really not sure how I'm going to structure the New Year's and Christmas specials. It'll be different. This is my last family trip ever. I'm not sure how family dinner is gonna go for Christmas or what my New Year's plans are gonna look like or even where I might be in a month from now. But I know that next week, my guy Tim O'Neill is gonna come on and we go really deep on business and sales and career stuff. Tim is a hustler and he lives out in the Bay Area and he is a mentor of mine. And it was really cool to connect on this episode and on this platform after Tim Kristen Garland is another entrepreneur she's a former classmate of mine from the University of Kentucky and she has launched her own creative platform she's a graphic designer she's running a business she does incredible work and I'm really excited to get to connect with somebody that I honestly haven't been connected with since 2015 like yeah social media and respond to some stuff here and there and some stories but that'll be really really cool and then Also after Kristen, I'm really excited about the next guest. Her name is Kayla Weber. She's a really famous artist here in Kentucky. You probably have seen her work. You absolutely have seen her work. Your mom or your sister or somebody that you know owns some of Kayla Weber's artwork. And I'm really, really excited to welcome her onto the show. And then that kind of takes us up to like the Christmas special and New Year's special. Once we hit 2022, I have a number of guests that are lined up. My schedule might be changing. I might have more good news to share with you soon. So you have to stay tuned and come back next week and see where things are at. Until then, my friends, be well. Happy fucking holidays. I love you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for riding with me. I am Ben Tompkins, and that is Real Talk.